The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. stopping the war games, which will save us a tremendous amount of money, unless and until we see that the future negotiation is not going along like it should. We have right now 32,000 soldiers in South Korea, and I'd like to be able to bring them back home, but that's not part of the equation right now. At some point, I hope it will be, but not right now. See, it's all interesting. Those were all qualified. So for for anybody who's overreacting on either side of it, they were all qualified. The first one was, I would like to end the war games. We'll end the war games unless and until they don't follow through on their end. Right. And then on, I'd like to bring home the troops, but that's not part of the deal right now. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, the the the, he's given away the store. Our allies must be scared to death. I don't quite get Right. Well, I'm comfortable with not knowing something. Sure. It's not a thing on cable news. The only thing I'm certain of is that we're thrilled to have Michael Oslin with us. He's Williams Griffiths Research Fellow in Contemporary Asia, Military History, Contemporary Conflict Working Group member at the Hoover Institution, among many other credentials. Uh, Michael, how are you, sir? Doing great, guys. How are you? Good. It's a pleasure to have you back again. Thanks. Uh, your initial impressions, please, having heard uh, the fairly little that we've all heard. Well, look, um, I think the big difference, uh, it's it's not that we've gotten something we haven't heard before. This is all stuff we have heard before. What's different, and I don't think people are focusing on it as much, is that this is the first time you've had the two leaders, and particularly the leader of North Korea, 
commit to this, uh, at least, you know, in, in his case, commit to the United States. So the basis of the document that they, they signed yesterday was was drawn from the commitment that uh, Kim Jong-un made to the South Korean leader. So if there's a difference, the difference is that you now have this tied directly to the North Korean leader. If if the North Koreans cheat, if they withdraw, if they do anything that, that scuttles the forward progress of this, then, first of all, you tie it directly to him. And secondly, you have incontrovertible evidence that the regime is not serious. So the the promises have been made before, but the level is very different, and I think that's significant. The framework thus announced is is fairly vague. That's not a surprise. Pompeo and the uh, the foreign ministry at North Korea are going to work together. What are the next signs of serious progress to look for? Uh, I think the next would be, well, it's going to be a multi-level process. The old days of, you know, you have one giant uh, sort of set piece meeting, like the six party talks, which went on during the Bush years. I think uh, we're we're past that. Um, Instead, President Trump said, I intend to be meeting uh, Kim Jong-un many times more. We'll see if that happens. But that's that's a possibility, including a potential visit to uh, D.C. for Kim. Uh, you will have, uh, obviously, Pompeo, Secretary of State Pompeo has created his own channels at the very highest levels. And then you, so he can be going uh, much more regularly. And, you know, we've only had one Secretary of State go before. And then you have the working level of, of you know, the actual experts. And so I think the, the significant steps is to see if all of these continue uh, along, uh, you know, at the same time, not that the president's going to meet Kim every day, of course, but that all of these are going along and particularly that they begin to set up a, uh, a regular negotiating group on what denuclearization means. And that's the other thing we have to talk about is what is denuclearization of the entire Korea Peninsula mean? Well, well, for critics who believe this is going to be going to have the same result as past negotiations, with Obama, with Clinton, even you know Jimmy Carter talking to him, whatever. Um, it seems to me there are three differences. The one you mentioned that you've got the the actual leaders meeting with each other, but the other two things is China seems to be for whatever reason, whatever pressure Trump's put on it, China's actually you know enforcing some of the sanctions, which does not happen in the past. And the other one being this is the first time the leader of North Korea has ever actually feared being attacked. I think they actually think we would do it. Yeah, I think um, there certainly is uncertainty that uh, Trump introduced into the North Koreans. You've never had a president talk this way or make these type of threats, though. Who thought Barack Obama would attack North Korea? Nobody. 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 Nobody thought he would attack North Korea in response to a North Korean attack. You know, most people have assumed that presidents would live up to the alliance. I think, however... I think, however, that that Kim Jong Un actually came into this meeting with a lot of confidence. I don't. I don't think he would. And if you looked at him, if you looked at the body language, um, first, both of these leaders looked very leader-like. They looked like statesmen. They looked. I mean, I was surprised how comfortable they looked with yeah. each other. I thought this would be a much different type of meeting. You know, when you you remember some of the meetings that we had with Soviet leaders back in the day. You know, mm-hmm. it's very stilted and formal. And here they are on the balcony, and they're strolling and they're patting each other on the back and Trump showing them the inside of the limousine. And, you know, it looked like these guys had been meeting. This was the fourth time and not the first time. Uh, but Kim, I think, is, is actually coming to the table with a, an enormous amount of confidence. This is a guy who's achieved a three-generation-long dream 
of getting uh, nuclear uh, weapons and ballistic missiles. Uh, he stabilized the North Korean economy. He's obviously removed uh, political opposition. I think he's coming to the table thinking he's the one for the first time that has some leverage that he can use against the U.S. president, you know, not to give up these weapons. And we should all be extraordinarily uh, skeptical that the North Koreans are really going to give up the weapons and, and what, of course, it means. Uh, it, it, well, exactly. So. And, and, Michael, let's go there. Michael Oslin of the Hoover Institution is with us. Uh, the the reason the North Koreans must be taken seriously on any level is nuclear arms. And uh, whether the threat of them or the reality of them currently, what what would we have to give to to induce them to give them up and how i mean the the framework for verifying that they had given them up would have to be extremely strict this is not an easy deal to make no I, you saw hints of it in the statements of the president yesterday and also of um uh, secretary of state pompeo so the first comes with what they call quote unquote security guarantees and that's what that means is we promise we're not going to attack him we promise we're not going to get rid of his regime right he's got that Muammar Gaddafi example in his mind that John Bolton referred to a couple of weeks ago, uh, which almost scuttled the summit. You know, that was the idea that um, if you give up weapons, you know, you can end up like Muammar Gaddafi, which is dead in a ditch. So number one, security guarantees. Uh, Number two, uh, the president announced that we will be stopping, uh, at least in some form, we don't know exactly, uh, military exercises with the South Koreans. Uh, that's something that both China and North Korea have wanted for a very long time. And the, the real effect of that on American readiness and capability, we, we won't know. We have to see uh, if we stop everything or we stop certain things. But that's something they want, which is the beginnings of the U.S. to say, okay, look, if you act, if you act in a way that we like, we will take material steps to reduce our uh, our potential military threat to you. And then number three, and maybe the most significant, is what the president said, uh, I think this was during the, the press conference, which is at some point he would like to bring American troops home. Now, that, that's, that's an incredibly uh, nuanced and, and complex uh, thing to say, whether or not he's thinking about all the permutations of it, uh, because obviously at some point in time we want to bring the troops home, but we want to bring the troops home only when we have a North Korea that's not a threat, hopefully a unified Korea, preferably a democratic Korea. But by opening the door, you know, which hasn't really been talked about since Jimmy Carter back in the in the 1970s, by opening the door, you know, you bring it into the room, if not on the table. It's not on the table, but it's in the room. And so those are the things that North Korea is going to want in order to have uh, to begin giving up the weapons. But when you talk about the whole peninsula, guys, then you're talking about, well, the U.S. now is not going to have a nuclear activity, for example, uh, any of any kind in South Korea, right? And that's been our extended defense. How about submarines South off the Korea. coast? I mean, come on. Anything. Exactly. Well, look, we defend South Korea by saying we're going to have uh, the ultimate sanction of, of protecting South Korea against the North, which is the nuclear option. But if you denuclearize the entire peninsula, at some point, the U.S. would probably, in order to get that from the North Koreans, have to promise that we would not use nukes in any way against against them, even if they attack the South. So there's an enormous number of complex issues that will have to be worked over, not only weeks and months, but, but potentially years. The, and we've been here before. The difference, I think, now 
is you've got Kim Jong-un signing the document at the table. This is pinned on him. And, of course, Donald Trump. You said perhaps years. So I was thinking that my biggest concern is even if it went like as perfect as it could go and fast as it could go, it would have to take what? At least, I mean, just like unprecedentedly fast would have to take nine months. I mean, because it could be this fall before they meet again, and then another meeting around Christmas to finally sign the deal. Then the agreement is for the spring. to. So we're a year out, and his scientists may have told him, look, dude, you give us six, nine months, and we have got the missile and the H-bomb we can put on a missile that we can get anywhere to the United States if you can just buy us nine months. Isn't that possible that's what's going on? Absolutely. Look, this is this is what they've been doing for 25 years. You know, they wrapped up Clinton, they wrapped up Bush, they wrapped up Obama in negotiations. And where are we? We've got a nuclear North Korea with an ICBM. So there's no question. And there's also no question that they are highly unlikely, to put it mildly, highly unlikely to pause any real development in the program, the type that you just mentioned, during these negotiations. Now, they may you know, they, before, in, at previous times, they've said, okay, we'll, we'll stop testing and we'll stop, you know, we'll stop missile launches. And then they usually wind up breaking that. But in any case, um, uh, the, the, the underground development that we can't see is, is of course, that's, that's going to continue. Now, if you're in a situation where, you know, from the North Korean side, of course, you want a, uh, you want a bargaining chip uh, that if you're actually willing to give this up uh, for getting the U.S. off the peninsula, breaking in essence, breaking the security alliance with South Korea, then maybe it's worth it. I mean, let's not forget, we think of nuclear weapons as the ultimate, right? You know, for us, it is always the final backstop of protecting our country. And of course, the North Koreans uh, undoubtedly think of it in the same way, but it's also a tool for them. What is the greater prize? Is the greater prize to have nuclear weapons and an even stronger U.S. force on the peninsula with South Korea and Japan and the like? Or is it maybe not having these weapons and getting the U.S. off the peninsula, getting them out of your hair so that mm. you have thousands of other ways that you can interfere with, undermine, threaten, intimidate South Korea potentially? Or you simply get the U.S. off the peninsula and then you and the South Koreans figure out how to, how to you know, settle the future of, of the divided border between you. So, look, we, we think that these guys will never give up the nukes. And... Short of something that is even a better prize for them, I think that's completely realistic. But we have to think what's in their heads, and maybe the, the 25, 30, 40 years of producing nukes has been a, a tool and a card to play to break the U.S.-South Korean alliance, something they really don't like, which is also something China would love to see broken. Uh, and then And then it's a completely different environment for them uh, in terms of this ultimate goal of reuniting the peninsula under their control. Michael Oslin of the Hoover Institution. Michael, can't thank you enough. We sure appreciate the insights, and let's stay in touch as this unfolds. Anytime, guys. Thanks. So uh, question mark upon question mark upon question mark, I think, is the takeaway. The other thing is, you know, the idea of security assurances. I don't know. I hear that, and I roll my eyes a little bit. Not only do you have the Muammar Gaddafi example, and, and Ukraine gave up its nukes in, in return for us saying, we won't let Russia invade you, and then Russia went invaded them, and Obama said, oh, what are you going to do? We don't want a world war. And then you got the fact that, and sorry, I'm sorry, but Hitler... <laughs> Hitler, Hitler! You can't be wearing the short suit talking about Hitler when we got a picture up 
of, of Hitler wearing the same outfit. Oh, did we post that at armstrongandgetty.com, the picture of me in my short suit next to Hitler in his short suit? Yeah. Uh, 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 an unfortunate juxtaposition. But Hitler, during the 30s, wrote and issued and agreed to all sorts of security assurances with all of his neighbors, and he could barely contain his giggling as he turned his back to walk back to Germany. Uh, as he'd signed these agreements, he didn't have the slightest intention of following. So I, I, what would that look like, an assurance so assuring that Kim Jong would say, hey, yeah, no problem, we'll give up our nukes. They're, you know where we got them? We got them out behind the basketball court where I played with Dennis. They're right in the equipment locker. He's not going to, I just, it's hard for me to picture that happening. I don't know if there are that as many unknowns as you just mentioned. The most likely known is past behavior with any human being. Sure. If someone acts a certain way for years and years and years, that's the way they're likely going to act. And the way they've acted is they make these deals and lie to us. That is by far the most likely outcome. They buy time and currency by pretending to cooperate. That is like 90% the most likely thing to happen, isn't it? Yeah, uh-huh. This is what they've done before. Just like Hitler. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Hitler. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Armstrong and Getty Show. So, uh, in a lot of your in-demand cities, it's hard to buy a house because the places are expensive, and then it's hard to rent a place because there's such high demand, people can be choosy. And, you know, getting back to capitalism, one of the reasons it's unpopular with some people is it looks bad. Um, Yeah, well, there's a hell of a lot of government interference in, in, you know, expanding the housing market, too. That can happen, but certainly you get a hot, you get a hot, uh, you get a hot town or whatever, and there's sure. more people than there are places. Sure, well, the G- people- G- 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 Google hires twenty thousand young, upwardly mobile professionals. It gets hard to make the rent, and yeah. then and then me as a, a guy who owns you know a building with 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 rental units, I get to charge more or be more picky about who I bring in. That's just you know. Sure, I'm happy works. about it. Yeah. Um, but it looks mean. So here's a town where not only do you have the to come up with... The rent is too damn high. Amen to that, brother. Not only do you have to come up with, like, the first month's rent and last month's rent and, you know... Uh, security deposit rent. Security deposit, and which, which in my experience, you never get back. I just, every time I made a security deposit, I just assumed I'd never get it back because I think I got one back in my entire life. Really? Yep. Wow. It's terrible. Of course, you raised goats in your apartment, no, my, which was outside the lease. My places were always clean. They just say where they 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 look at something that was there and always yeah, has been cleaning charge. That carpet's exactly. worn out there. Yeah, yeah. And, hey, and, look at that tile there. It's scuffed. And I don't got two nickels to rub together. So the idea of getting a lawyer and fighting it, as they know, is hilarious. So I just you know, I I did that. God, I don't know, six, eight, ten times in my life. You don't need a lawyer, Jack. All you need is a brick. <laughs> And you'll have your revenge. Or a key in a parking lot. Exactly. Know what they drive. That's really all you need. Screwdriver, key, whatever (laughs) whatever it takes. A little short-handled slot head. So here's a town where the uh, first month, last month, security deposit, and uh, you have to prove that you're going to have renter's insurance and all. And they want the last 30 bank transactions, a record of your last 30 bank transactions, to see how you spend your money. Wow. Isn't that something? I tell you what, when we're... (laughs) Counterpoint. 
F you. <laughs> yeah. Well, God dang yeah. it. When we were trying to help Caitlin uh, relocate, uh, it, it became clear that there's a lot more of that going on than there was back in the day when Judy and I were trying to find our first apartment. Um, yeah, that's rough, man. And and with the rents as high as they are, there's going to be a pretty narrow number you can afford if you're not uh, doing real well. And uh, yeah, God, the paranoia. It, it, part of it, it's the, uh, the downside of all the renter protections and everything in law because all of the complexes are so lawyered up because they have to be. Because once you let some air-sucking homo sapien move into your place, they never pay you a nickel of rent. They do raise goats. They set fire to the place. They, you know, assault the, their fellow tenants in the hallways. It, it still takes months to get rid of them. What and lawyer that, fees. What was that movie about that with Michael Keaton set in San Francisco? Oh, Pacific yeah. Heights. Yeah. Well, now what it's yeah, called? Pacific that, Heights, yeah. yeah. They, they take over that place and yeah. move out. And... Nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good movie, yeah. but Oof. relatively true. Yeah. doesn't have to get that, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a murderer or whatever that moves in, but they can just destroy your place and you can't kick them out. Mm. So that's why you got to be so picky about who you let in. You know, I didn't talk about this on on the air, but there's a, a person who might need a room for a while and offered to pay us rent. And, and we told them, no, we won't take any rent. You're our guest. Hmm. Because once we accept rent, then the entire 800 pounds of renter oh, law really? would, would be in would, play. Wouldn't be worth it. No, you couldn't get rid of them. Right. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Trump is confident about North Korea's wanting to deal. They are giving up another nuker. You may have missed this in the presser. And Dennis Rodman's amazing breakdown on cable news coming up. Yeah. Poor Dennis Rodman. Hero Dennis Rodman. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. We saw you sign the agreement right in this room. You also said you just developed a special bond with Kim. Describe that bond. Well, it's been a very intense day. And as you know, we discussed things over the last few months. You did. You've spoken with yeah, him before. I have spoken. Yes, I have spoken to him. I've spoken to a lot of his people. His. So that's news right there. Wow, wait a minute. We didn't know that, right? We didn't know right. that Trump and Kim had been talking before Yesterday, oh, Trump is going in unprepared. They usually you work for months. Shut up! Plus, Shut up! Yeah. Talking heads. Plus, if that's true, um, uh, there's something that didn't leak. He had some conversations with Kim, and nobody leaked them. Right? Thank goodness, because there's right. there's no way you can make these deals if people start leaking right. secret stuff. Yeah, you just yeah. can't. Well, it could also explain they seem to have somewhat of a rapport when they yeah. got together. It would explain why yeah. they are so much more comfortable. Yeah. I need a guy I've had a whole bunch of phone conversations with. Right. It's completely different than the first time we've ever spoken to each other. Right. Or even if they've corresponded a lot, they've kind of become pen pals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm looking at the coverage of this, and Nicholas Kristoff, who's an opinion writer for the failing New York Times, um, <laughs> is the headline is Trump was outfoxed in Singapore. It sure looks as if President Trump was hoodwinked in Singapore. Trump made huge concessions and got nothing concrete in return. How can you possibly say that? It's and unbelievable. I got, I got a flack from some of y'all for saying the same thing when Obama started with Iran. Yeah. Shut up with your, he's failed. How do you know? We just started. We don't have the slightest idea. Well, and every single concession that Kristoff is making a big deal about is a temporary, conditional uh, uh, concession 
Oh, and or a planned future concession that hasn't actually been conceded yet. And he, so, and he, and he qualified fine. them yeah. all. Right. Early, early, early days. And, and the greatest probability is failure. I thought one interesting and everybody, thing. Everybody knows that Trump is as much as said that. I've, I've seen a couple of roundtables on MSNBC, and I wanted to take in their view of it. One with Chris Matthews last night in real time as it was all happening with a bunch of journalists. And he said, is there anybody here who doesn't think this is, a, a politically speaking, a huge win for Trump? And they all agreed, big win for Trump politically, no doubt about it. Even among the, after saying hateful, hateful things about Trump for an hour, they all agreed it's a political win for him. And uh, then this morning, um, uh, Morning Joe and Mika, who couldn't be bigger haters of Trump for a number of personal and professional reasons, right. <laughs> agreed yeah. that it was amazing that Trump has made this happen. So he's interesting. The, I've he, heard uh, others uh, state the opposite that any president could have met with Fathead. Fathead wants to meet with presidents. Trump's is the first guy stupid enough to do it, according to a lot of people on the left. I tend to take the other view, and I also think I don't. Hell, I, I, I'm as close to knowing this as you can be without having been in the room. That how long did they meet one on one with just the translators? Was it, was it an about, hour or two hours? It was about 45, <clears throat> uh, 45 to minutes to an hour, something I, like that. I would be shocked to my core yep. if Trump didn't say to Kim, "Listen, I am absolutely here to make a deal. I'm here to get you a great, great future, and I will stick my neck way yep. out to do that." On the other hand, if you screw me. Do you know anything about me? If you screw me, I will bring the full fury and weight of the United States down on your head. You think he and, and said, and frankly, power? Do you think he said fire, fury, fury and, and frankly, frankly power? <laughs> yes, he said that. And that's a perfectly fine way to negotiate. I think we can probably make a deal, but keep in mind if we don't, it's not like we're going to be buddies. I'm gonna, you, you're going to wish you'd never met me. So let's get to work. Mm. News now with Marsha Phillips. Now President Trump heading home after that historic nuclear summit with the North Korean leader, Kim Jong-un. Is uh, Trump wearing long pants still? Because I'm a man wearing a short suit. <laughs> you are I indeed. lost a basketball bet, granted, yes. so I'm dressed a little like LeBron James in the short suit. I'm finding <laughs> it very comfortable. People look at me and say, wow, you're looking really sharp today. And the respect in their voices is clear. But then their eyes wander down and they guffaw. But once we get past the laughing, I'm going to be a man who's hailed as serious yet comfortable. I was going to say, I was going to say, I've heard a lot of giggling after you walk through the newsroom. Marshall, just like the, the, the summit negotiations, this is a period we need to move through. We need to work through. The two men, Trump and Un, signed a joint declaration and Trump expressed confidence it will lead to full denuclearization. Trump says North Korea has stopped missile tests, they've destroyed a major nuclear testing site, and will destroy another missile test site. They secured the commitment to destroy the missile engine testing site. That was not in your agreement. I got that after we signed the agreement. I said, do me a favor. You've got this missile engine testing site. We know where it is because of the heat. We, it's incredible, the equipment we have, to be honest with you. I said, "Can you close it up? You're going to close it up." I like that. I like them yeah. saying, "You know, we got to, we got this infrared sort of stuff. We can see where stuff is. It's really cool." Anyway, right? right. I like that one. Right. God, I have no, no belief though that we can detect their scientists working on better bombs. Do you? I mean, that's just from everything I've ever read. No. Iran, Pakistan, North Korea, whoever. If you want to build stuff, you can build stuff out of sight. And- right. 
right? Or move it around, or or, yeah. or, or, or it's you know half a mile underground. The North Koreans are super enthusiastic about tunneling. Right. One one thing that uh, Trump and Obama had working against them, um, and the critics never point out is. They would be doing this stuff if you weren't trying. <laughs> then you guarantee they're doing all this. I mean, the the opposite of trying to pull off these negotiations is not uh, a very good deal either. Then right. these countries just go ahead right. and try to get whatever weapons they want. It's a tough situation. Also in Singapore over the last few days, former NBA star Dennis Rodman, who visited North Korea a number of times, became friends with Kim Jong-un, Dennis started crying during his CNN interview while talking about all the heat that he got in the past for saying nice things about Kim. Amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. When I said those things, when I said those damn things, when I went back home, I got so many death threats. I got so many death threats when I was sitting there protecting everything. And I believe in North Korea. And when I went home, I couldn't even go home. I couldn't even go home. I had to hide out for 30 days. At Carmen Electra's place. I couldn't even go <laughs> home. But I kept my head up high, brother. I knew things were going to change. I knew it. I, I was the only one. I never had no one to hear me. I didn't know one had to see me. But I took those bullets. I took all that. I took everything. Everyone came at me. And I'm still standing. And today is a great day for everybody. Singapore, Tokyo, China, everything. It's a great day. It is a great I'm day. Here to this see is it. a historic day. I'm so happy. You were. <laughs> if, if, if. <laughs> Go ahead, Sean. Which I'll, is why. I'll allow one more disrespectful comment. <laughs> which is why the fine folks at Potcoin sent me to be here to cover this for all of you. Listen. <laughs> decent point. <laughs> not a decent point. An indecent point. He needed a little airfare. He cut a deal. That's what the free market's all about. Fat Kim is going to love the free market once he gets a whiff of it. When or if, if. This works out. If the whole deal works out, denuclearization, uh, North Korea comes into the family of nations, etc. An olive garden in every village. Dennis Rodman. (laughs) Dennis Rodman is going to be hailed as a hero. By historians, he is going to be—he is going to make Jesse Owens look like a nonentity in sports history. He is going to make Muhammad Ali look insignificant wow. among those wow. with courage wow. to confront the greater world of diplomacy from the world of sport. Dennis Rod, I am not kidding. He will be hailed as a great hero of history. I'm concerned. Uh, I'm sorry. How about this? Hot your wife? Is she fucking your ass every day? Really? Really? Ask your wife. I'm concerned. Uh, I'm concerned with all those tears streaming down his face. Some of his piercings will rust. Oh, oh boy. I hope he's got his shots up to date. Folks, do you hear the lack of respect for this American hero? Do you hear it? Couldn't go home for 30 days. Had to go bunk with Gary Busey for a while. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, that's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Ring the bell. Guess what? He don't want war. That's one thing he don't he want. He said in the there. past that he would destroy the United States. Well... That's diplomacy. Well, maybe we can work it out. It's it's so crazy that you are at least partially right. No doubt. I'm not kidding. I know. Because he gave he was the only American who'd met the guy up until recently. And then he gave him a copy of Trump's book to read and, and he, told Trump, hey, I know Trump. He's a good dude. You can talk to him. Exactly. He told him, you know what? He's the kind of want, the guy who wants to sit down and make a deal. And then he went back to Trump 
And he said, you'd be shocked. Fathead's actually a good dude. He's pretty chill. And Trump thought, wow, wait a minute. I'm telling you. Who's another crazy D-list celebrity we could send to meet with Putin? <laughs> Got to be an athlete or... Uh, Any, I suppose anybody would work. Fuck Guy Fieri. <laughs> <laughs> Just send somebody over I'm and talk sure to Putin. I'm not sure he's nuts enough. Appeal to uh, Kim's love of food. Mm. Wait a minute. What about uh, Bryce Harper? <laughs> the, like, combative, half-wit, bad teammate, bearded baseball star. It's weird how this is all shaken out, I'll tell you that. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Any toothless hockey guys want to go talk to Putin? Brought to you by Potcoin, whatever that is. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. nation. Armstrong and Getty Show. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. There was something so pleasant about that place. Even your emotions have an echo. For whatever reason, Donald Trump seems determined to become friends with our enemies and enemies with our friends. He's in Singapore right now. He's scheduled to meet Kim Jong-un tonight. This was good. When Trump arrived in Singapore overnight, Fox News delivered what might be their most fair and balanced assessment of this presidency to date. This is history. We are living, regardless of what happens in that meeting between the two dictators. Yeah, all right. Except that's stupid. <laughs> whole, or is it an oopsie truth seat? The whole uh, Trump's a dictator thing. Please. Ask Trump if he's a dictator. He's struggling to get anything done, like every president. So, uh, a couple of things. Number one, I just uh, texted my son, who's been texting me. He's, he's moving today. Um, very exciting. He and a couple of friends got in a place together in uh, Bend, Oregon. And he's uh, he's he's been nervous about the whole process, including driving a U-Haul, which he's never done, towing a car on a trailer, the rest of it. And So, he sent me pictures and updates. And I sent a picture uh, of myself. In my short suit to him, and I looked at it and busted up laughing myself. It is truly a ridiculous look <laughs> that will never, ever catch on in any form anywhere on Earth. Well, and most people would look terrible in that outfit, is the but problem. But not me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's actually a black suit. With black uh, loafers and black knee socks, which are getting lots of comments from the girls in the office. The knee socks are kind of the key. And I'm wearing a lavender shirt and a uh, black and white check tie. It's fairly elegant. The socks are like the uh, the rug from Lebowski's apartment. It really ties the whole thing together. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. There's nothing elegant about a grown man in shorts. That's not elegant. It's my hairy knees showing. Uh, The other thing is Michael wanders into the studio as the commercials are, are beginning. It says... What would you have thought if, say, three, four years ago, somebody told you that Dennis Rodman would be the key to the Trump-Kim Jong-un summit? And I said, wait a minute, why is Trump in a summit? Yeah. Well, you're going to have to brace yourself. I I got a little ahead. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I know. This is a fun time to be alive. It is fun. As long as there's not a mushroom cloud over Portland. Uh, Somebody said if we heard... Kim's voice yet. I think we oh, have. Yeah, if you haven't yeah. heard it, he sounds exactly like Gil- Gilbert Gottfried. 
Surprising. Like, kind of like that. I can't believe I agree to this. Yeah, that's what he sounds like. Now, do we have that tape where he can be heard? Because I was actually doing something when when that played, and I didn't hear him. I want to hear. It's like, I know he said something in English yesterday. Was that when he said, this is like a science fiction movie? I think he might have said that in English. Wow. No, I missed that. It's like they used to talk about Michael Jackson, that if you caught him in a private setting, he sounded just like a grown man. Boy, I wish that Tito would leave me alone. <laughs> Constantly hit me up for cash. It's unbelievable. Yes. But then when he was getting ready to record, he would talk like this. So he could still hit all those high notes. But normally he'd be, oh, come on. You call that a guitar solo? Get that ass out of here. Ignorant fool. So do we have it? Somebody give me a signal. Lord, show me a sign. No, I'm going through all, all right, the... Maybe Marshall will get yeah. his hiney in here eventually, and we can, uh, we can play that for you. But we shall see. I've been talking about the Trump-Kim summit all day long. It's a series of question marks. Who knows what will happen? Who knows? Here's your key uh, key points. Tell me if I'm wrong on this. Number one, what is China's true posture, and what are they actually saying to Kim behind the scenes? I think they're saying the jig is up. And I hope. And how different is Kim Jong-un really from us, his papa and grandpapa? Might just be style. Might just be sophistication. Because his dad was a weirdo. I mean, he was really a weirdo. Whiskey drinking, porn enthusiast. Well, I think that that's kind of a charitable way to put it. It's like a, a lot of a, our listeners are saying that makes me a weirdo. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, how about I, think, I criticize your hobbies? I think I, I, th- I think I got Kim here. Okay, okay. Yeah, let yeah, me yeah. Uh, fire this off. <laughs> Uh, I'll have the historic meeting onion. and decided and to some of the potato skins with extra bacon. Yes, sounded like he he's kind of expected him to say food order. Sean, please, <laughs> he's a bit He's a bit A lot of us struggle with our weight. There's no reason to insult the man. So yeah, he's got kind of a tough, gravelly. Got kind of a gravelly sound. Yeah. Maybe he enjoys a cig now and again. Is he a smoker? A lot of people in Asia smoke. Well be, they yeah. smoke and they spit. That's yeah. not racism. That's just fact. Isn't the story that he personally watched somebody eaten by dogs or aircraft car- gunned to death or something? Yeah. Well, yeah. Of course, yeah. you don't know if that's true or not. And as we reviewed on the show at the time, getting shot up by an aircraft carrier gun is an act of kindness. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, you'd be it'd be over quick. Because eaten it's by like dogs, a gigantic caliber machine gun is what it is. Yeah, eaten by dogs would be pretty awesome. Not so much. Although there is some argument that that was uh, apocryphal. Who knows? Well, and plus... Would they... you be shocked to find out it was true? No, I no not at all. No. And I wouldn't be shocked to find out that they just say that to terrorize the, the populace. So, who knows? It'll be interesting to see all this unfold. Uh, 85% chance it only buys North Korea time to perfect their nuclear weaponry, and we're back to an uneasy standoff. 85% chance of it. Sure. So, so easy to imagine that come this August... With the second meeting on the books, on the calendar, they fire off a missile that goes further than any missile they've ever launched and say, we now have the capability to hit anywhere in the United States with an H-bomb. Yeah, yep, certainly possible. Now, if you are gifted, if you are fortunate, if you are blessed to receive the (laughs) award-winning fourth hour of the show, we'll be talking to Ian Bremmer of the Eurasia Group. If not, uh, grab it on the podcast a little later on. Blessed seems a little much. Yeah, either way. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. 
I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.